at times, I mean, right. So at times, I thought that cancellations or or pushback time was was because I wasn't as important mm. as anything else. Right? Okay, this is not as valuable to to L is as is to me. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Born and Create Podcast. My name is Anthony Rudolph, and my co-host, Mrs. KL Jones. Welcome, guys. We love being here with you guys. So today on episode, I have the honor of kind of kind of like interviewing my girl over here uh, my sister because it is lupus awareness month and um, we know that you are an amazing lupus survivor so i want to you know kind of get into your brain and figure out how have you conquered being a creator being an entrepreneur being a mom being a wife being everything but still kind of battling um, and let me ask you this should i call it a disease or what should i refer to it as Lupus is a disease. Okay. Like, okay. I don't want to frame, you know, we, we all things positive yeah. here, right? All things positive. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of times there's a missed opportunity to really drive home the importance of why lupus awareness education is so important. Okay. So we're going to talk real. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. I just want to make sure that I use the uh, no, no, right terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know over the years it's been a lot of ups and downs and left hooks and right hooks and jabs and a few uppercuts. Right, a few a few uppercuts that that almost took some you TKOs out. Some TKOs, some TKOs. <laughs> I was took you out. So I wanted to kind of dive into really, you know, how have you been able to get to a point where you're still sitting here today, um, living and thriving and and keep going, right? Yeah. And so let's let's go back to when you discovered you had lupus. Wow. Yeah. Let's go back. <laughs> Let's go back. Uh, that journey was really a long one. Right. Uh, because I could remember, like, once I got diagnosed, then I started being really intentional about, like, okay, when did you first started experiencing yeah. these symptoms? And um, the truth is, my senior year of high school, I had a situation where it was, uh, I think it was homecoming. We were getting ready for homecoming, and I went to my my hairstylist and I was uh, getting my hair relaxed at the time. And I remember that day after I got my hair done and like in the days after my hair was coming out Mm. and I was so mad because she had a new assistant and I felt like the assistant had left the relaxer in my hair too long. And that's why my hair was falling out. But what I discovered as my hair was falling out is that I had these, um, like purple lesions, oh, bruises okay. on my scalp. And I was like, that have a burn my scalp. <laughs> <laughs> like I was heated. My mom was upset. You know, my stylist, she apologized. She was like, I assure you. You know, she tried to do everything that she could to help. And so then I went off to college. Yeah. I went to Virginia, um, to Norfolk State University. And I could just remember like periods where I had bouts of like extreme fatigue. Yeah. Um, pushing through college. My first year, I was just in shambles. I just did whatever. I think part of that was like rebellion or whatever. But it wasn't until after I graduated college, um, had went back home to Ohio for a little bit and then moved to Arizona. Okay. After I had my second child and she was about three weeks old. And I had like a, a series of different things going on. Some was like dealing with my, my female health, my feminine health, and I had to have surgery. But then I would just like get injured very easily. 
I would get lesions, like really bad burns on my arm. And at first I, I started noticing like every time I would go out or be exposed to the sun, yeah. something would happen with my skin. Um, then just little stuff. I was working in telemarketing mm -hmm. and um, actually I was working as a, a 411 operator. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so I le left I'm telemarketing. Sure I talked to you a few times. I'm pretty sure. And um, just typing, like my wrist was hurting really bad. So I had gone to the emergency room to get it checked out. And the emergency room physician there at the time, I had one of the lesions on yeah. my arm. And so this was about 1996. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, how long have you had lupus? Oh, wow. Now, up to that point, I had never even heard of <laughs> yeah. that. Like that was a foreign term to yeah. me. And I said, excuse me. And he, you know, so he made the assumption that I had lupus and here I am yeah. thinking like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so he was just like, you need to get that checked out. I'm pretty sure that's lupus. That started my the very journey. long journey yeah. of going back and forth to different doctors, yeah. specialists, having all kind of labs done. And I was told everything from you have eczema yeah. to psoriasis to it's an allergy to it's in your head. Mm. Um, and my diagnosis, my official diagnosis didn't come for six years after that. So how did that land for you? So you, you're going through doctors, you're getting diagnosed, misdiagnosed, saying that it's basically made up, right? Mm -hmm. so it's in your head. Mm -hmm. But when you finally got the diagnosis saying this is lupus after six years, what was your mindset? How did, how did that land for you? What was the immediate first thought that you had when I say, you know what, it is lupus? Denial. Denial. Yeah. Why denial? I was young. Yeah. Like I was 27. No, I was 26. Okay. So yeah. it was before it was the beginning of the year that I was turning 27. I was living in New York City uh, with my girls and I was pursuing my dreams. I was singing, I was acting. I had landed a role in a Broadway musical by Vi Higginson and you don't know who she is, Google her. She's like a legend in uh, Harlem and you know, uh, theatrical productions. And I just was like, this is the time of my life. I had gone through a bad yeah. breakup with my ex mm -hmm. and which is, you know, the children of my father. And I just was like, this is, this is cruel. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, nah, not me. Yeah. Even though I knew I had things going on, I just wasn't ready to accept that diagnosis. So did you go through the stages of grief? Absolutely. Like, like first it was denial. The, yep. That's one stage. And mm -hmm. then what was the what was the next stage after that? Anger. Anger. Huh? Anger. And the denial lasted for a really long time. Really? Like we talk about the stages of grief, but we don't talk about like how yeah. how long yeah. each stage yeah. might last. Yeah. And obviously for each person is different. But um, when I did get the proper diagnosis, it came on the heels of me blacking out mm. on my lunch break and my coworkers panicking and calling the paramedics and then being taken to the hospital. Yeah. And thankfully that day, um, the physicians that were in the ER had enough wherewithal to recognize a was, number yeah. of the different symptoms and then order tests. Yeah. And and we'll get into it, I'm sure, at some point during this episode. But just as a, a caveat, lupus is really difficult to diagnose. So there's oh. not one specific test. 
Hence the reason why, yeah. on average, it takes four to seven years before a patient gets a proper diagnosis. Yeah. So that, that being misdiagnosed for six years is kind of unfortunately the norm that you'll hear yeah. from other lupus warriors and thrivers who, you know, have been diagnosed is that they know something is yeah. wrong but not getting those answers. So, But for me, the denial lasted a really long time, and then there was fear and anger, mm -hmm. and I remember the moment that I had to tell my mom, mm. but I couldn't tell her until I had kind of accepted, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then when I started sharing just a little bit within my inner circle or talking to people about it, everything that I heard was doom and gloom and death. Right. So it would be, oh, yeah, I heard of that before. My cousin's sister had it or <laughs> right, right. my neighbor's friend's dog's cat had it. And they, the, all, the end result was they always they died. They died, yeah, they had it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then that just pushed me yeah. further back yeah. into this, like, yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, your perspective on lupus is, 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 pretty, is pretty empowering, right? Because you, you say that I'm a lupus survivor, mm -hmm. right? Not... You know, I have lupus. No. Um, a friend of mine called me on, well, on Wednesday was, was, was yesterday, was Wednesday? Whatever, I don't know. No, but anyway, two days ago. Two days ago. Mm -hmm. So we were supposed to have a meeting on Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. And couldn't find him, wasn't returning to text message. I'm like, well, like, what's going on? So he texted me and said, hey, you know, I've, I've been in the hospital because my wife has been diagnosed with, with, with aggressive lupus and it's attacking her kidneys, right? And I'm like, and I immediately thought of you. Right. I'm like, well, I can put you in contact with someone who's, a, who's an advocate that can, that can help. Mm -hmm. Right. But this was just like two days ago. Wow. And my next question is that how many people actually live with lupus? In the United States, it's estimated that mm -hmm. approximately one point five million Americans live so it's kinda rare. with lupus and worldwide. It's five million. And the frustration is that people say it's rare because yeah. they don't know right. it's rare because there's not enough education, but there are more and more. That's just a, a approximate ground level. So approximate. people are living with, with it, but it's not diagnosed with it. They're not diagnosed with okay. it because we go back to the misdiagnosis, right? right? right. Um, unfortunately, one of the things we, we call lupus, the disease with many faces hmm. because it can mimic a lot of different conditions and diseases, thus making it even harder right. to diagnose. So like with cancer or diabetes or heart disease, right. there's a test, like there's a specific test or series of tests that doctors order that can quickly identify, oh, you have a tumor here or, oh, yeah. you have cancer cells here. With lupus, it's not that way. There are several different markers and then they give you a list of like 10 things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. only have four on the list, then they say, nope, you don't have lupus. But like if you have six, then it's, oh, you're borderline. But then if you have more than, you know what I'm saying? So hmm. um, there's there's been a lot of work and advocacy um, that has driven the work to where we're, you know, where we get today, where we, you know, legislative, yeah. um, you know, there's people going on Capitol Hill, really rallying for legislation hmm. because when you go through medical school, yeah. As a med student, lupus is not something that was traditionally taught. So if you have a patient that presents with these different symptoms and then they go to the emergency room, right. a lot of times there's no protocol in place or, you know, traditionally back yeah, then, yeah. there was no protocol in place to like really be able to identify and say, okay, this patient is yeah. presenting with these symptoms. 
then let's investigate and go deeper with this. So there's, you know, without getting too yeah. technical and scientific, there's something like an ANA called an ANA panel, um, double-stranded DNA, yeah. all of those things paint a full picture. Yeah. It's like having a blank canvas and imagine having a, what do the kids have where they have the paint by numbers or yeah, yeah. the picture is already drawn, but you still got to paint. Number two yeah. is blue. Number three yeah. is green, right? So then you don't get to see the full picture until you get all those yeah. pieces in place. And that's kind of what it is, um, does, what it's like it, with the testing. Does it, um, does lupus affect a certain demographic more than other? Absolutely. Okay. Talk about that. <laughs> I'm a black woman. Okay. Really? Yes. And no. it, I love being a black woman, <laughs> but I am, you know, black women are at the highest really? risk. I, black women, in fact, are impacted by lupus almost five times more than their that? white counterparts. We do not know. Really? We don't know. Um, there's uh, black women, Latino women and yeah. Asian and Pacific Islander women in that yeah. order. And my, then Caucasian yeah. my women. My friend is, is Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. So with that said, though, that doesn't mean and then they're women of childbearing age. So usually mm. the diagnosis comes somewhere between 14 and 45. Um, but there are instances and cases where wow. outside of that, there are men who live with lupus. You have Nick yeah. Cannon. Right. Yep. Um, and usually what happens with men. And again, it's just really a baffling medical thing, but it affects their kidneys. 10 times more than a woman who gets the disease. Wow. So um, it is just, it, it is a, I wouldn't wish it on yeah. anyone because yeah. it can be debilitating. Um, and lupus looks different for each person. Yeah. It, it looks different for each person. I was just watching uh, an interview that Tony Braxton had done on a news show, morning news show. And she was talking about how recently she had an episode, mm. we call them flares or episodes, that landed her in the hospital. And now, after all of these years of living with lupus, she has some kidney involvement. Wow. So it's just really unpredictable. You can, on the out, you know, we had somebody yeah. in the studio earlier and we were talking about this. And they were like, you got what? Yeah. Like, you don't even look sick. Yeah. And that's always been the thing. You don't look sick. And so we had to start having these conversations about, like, what does being sick look like? Yeah. Like, what do you expect to see when somebody right. is sick? Because sick doesn't just look one way. Right. It's not the frail person who's losing their hair. And I've been there. But, you know, seeing me on the street or even when we're in yeah. the studio every week filming, unless I tell you, yeah. you don't know that I'm <clears throat> dealing with a flare or something yeah. is going on. Well, like today, you said that I don't feel well. I right? don't feel well. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Tired. I'm okay. like really exhausted. Um, so I'm trying to make sure my energy, yeah. <laughs> my energy yeah. is up, but um, I, I'm dealing with a lot of pain. I've been okay. dealing with a headache for probably about four or five days now yeah. and some severe back pain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, inflammation and and I'm like, I've completely changed my diet as yeah. a result of lupus, like my lifestyle, not just a diet. So I've been vegan for um, almost two years now. Actually, it's been three days. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. It's been three days. Since you've check been your friends. Check your inner circle. <laughs> make sure they are not trying to sabotage your diet. Don't have a brother like me. Have a brother like me who treated me to lunch. But what he did not do was ensure that my drink was dairy free. <laughs> so um yeah, your girl had a a drink 
that I thought was safe and it had dairy in it and well, I've been shook ever yeah. since. <laughs> I, I, I treated her to a, to a mango lassie, but I forgot that you were you were vegan. But um, It's okay because usually I always ask yeah, questions first yeah. and I, I think I was just so hungry. So I think day. I just reset your 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 two Now I'm still vegan. So vegan. I went home and detoxed. <laughs> Well, now I know. So now I, I haven't put oat milk in there next time. Well, probably, it probably won't taste as good. But I oat milk no, is the jam. No, Just make sure it's not almond because I'm allergic to uh, almonds. Uh, y'all heard it here. Yeah. So if I show no, up on no. set with my face all swollen, <laughs> you know then y'all know Anthony just, you, you know, know okay. sabotage me again. <laughs> well, you you never know. I mean, because I don't want to say that you hide it well, but you don't you don't show that you're experiencing anything physically or mentally always look amazing thank you shout out to our director jay Jay (laughs) (laughs) i always look amazing thank you i appreciate it brother yeah you don't show it and and i don't know if that's really okay or not okay Mm. right because it's like if if you're feeling tired i mean i know like i said i mean the show must go on yeah right but do you sometimes do you sometimes put yourself in the show and, and when, you, when you don't need to, or do, do you sometimes ignore some of the some of the symptoms or ignore your body because sometimes it's okay, but yeah. but, but do you do too much sometimes? Is, is what I'm asking you. So we've been fully transparent. One thousand. Okay. This is what the, the podcast is, is about. Right. There isn't a day when I am not dealing with pain well, or okay. some impact of lupus. Um, Are some days better than others? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason why I say that is, is because uh, as a result of lupus, several things that I live through is heart disease uh, called pericarditis, which is... Wait, wait, wait. You have heart disease? Mm Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Blood disease and liver disease. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So for me... I always go back to this story. I, I shared it, you know, on one of our sister, uh, our network partners podcast. And that is in 2011, when I was on my deathbed, mm-hmm. begging God to like save me. Um, and his promise to me was in the same way that I raised Lazarus from the dead, mm-hmm. I'm going to elevate you from this deathbed. My promise to God was whatever you tell me to do, Whatever you tell me to say, wherever you tell me to go, whoever you tell me to say it to, my answer will always be yes. So when I am facing those challenges of Mm -hmm. not feeling well or not 100 percent, and I'm not talking about like denying what you feel. I'm not talking about not putting yourself first and taking care of you. What I'm talking about is I'm reminded of the call on my life Mm. and I choose to make the call on my life bigger than the diagnosis in my life. Amen. I love that. So that is what fuels me. It's like, I know every time we step in here, every time I'm at an event where yeah. I've been hired to speak or to, I'm there on purpose. It's yeah. not about me. Yeah. And I am always asking God to walk with me, be with me, yeah. inviting him into my space. And so if I say I have faith that I'm healed, yeah, and I trust God, then my actions have to line up with that. Now, make no mistake about it. If it's just too much, I don't have a problem saying yeah. I can't do it today. Yeah. And I've called you before. Like, can we reschedule? Yeah. Can we do this? You know, when we're working on some other projects, can we do it another day? Mm-hmm. 
or sometimes it's I need to take a, a phone call as opposed to a Zoom call or an in-person meeting because I can still get my work done or, you know, stay true to my commitment, but also allow myself the time to rest so I don't have to worry about getting done up or getting prepared. I can take a call from my bed or my couch wherever I'm resting and still accomplish the goal for that day. Okay. Well, now I know, right? Yeah. Now now I know because I I didn't know that. Don't move different, though. Don't move different? Mm -mm. What do you mean? Now that you know, don't handle me differently. Oh, no, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm, I'm going to be more stern. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it, You're it's, not the boss of me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to know that because at times, I'm be real, so at times, I thought that constellations or, or pushback time was, was because I wasn't as, as important mm. as anything else, right? Okay, this is not as valuable to, to L as, as it is to me. Wow. But now I know that you were, you were dealing with with something but so my request is like hey you know tell me before be transparent you know what i have a headache or i'm tired so i so i so i know it and not Mm -hmm. make up stories in my head all right that's interesting i appreciate you telling me that because i've never had anyone else share that okay and i'm sure that's probably been the thought yeah so that creates a sense of awareness for me to be like you know especially for those that i'm close with even like just hanging out with girlfriends sometimes i just can't Like as much as I want to go, I want to celebrate you. I want to. I just can't. Yeah, I can't. And so, um, and I always feel guilty. Yeah, I always feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, f- for transparency, relieves guilt. So like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but now I know. Yeah. Um, um. So we've been through how you got diagnosed with it, and some of the things you're dealing with. So how did it change your life? How did how did it shift? And how did it push you more into wanting to be more of a creator versus just just like this is just my life and I'm just going to deal with it and I can't do anything about it? Mm-hmm. How'd your life shift? Um, it shifted drastically, but I want to start here. What what pushed me into being a creator is that I'm reminded that I'm made in His image mm-hmm. and likeness. And so if I'm made in His image and likeness, and He likeness, and He's the ultimate creator, mm-hmm. then I was also born to create right Right? like that is when you hit me up and talk to me about coming on here to be your co-host I jumped yeah I I didn't even give it a second thought Mm -hmm. because even though most people know me for my brand elevate now I have always believed that I was born to stand out Mm -hmm. and even more so after my near uh, near death life experience born to create. Mm -hmm. I've always been a creator, but the way that I create today is different than how I created as my former self Um, before, you know. Like I said, I've always been a creative and a creator. Uh, my mother has, you know, as a child, always yeah. had me in the creative arts. So whether it was pageants, I remember being in a pageant and my mother was mortified that pageant her mama. daughter, <laughs> pageant mama, that her daughter that she spent all this money on gets up on stage with this elegant, <laughs> expensive behind nightgown or nightgown. Yeah. Yeah. Nightgown. nightgown. Not, not nightgown. Is it nightgown. No. What's it called? Just a ga- evening gown. Evening gown. What's the she difference? Night any, look, I'm like nightgown. That don't sound right. I'm being in pajamas. Are you in pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> How much do pajamas cost? <laughs> right. Evening gown. My bad. Um, but 
And I get up there and I start doing my pose and she, you know, paid for a coach to yeah. walk me through everything. And I get up there and I go to pose and I did not shave under my arms. My mother was mortified. Like, I what can see, in the Miss Beverly uh, going off. I've only seen the, the nice side of her, right? I mean, I've been seen her, you know, getting to your, getting to your butt, but. <laughs> Don't play with Beth. She'll cut you with her tongue. Everybody's like, you want to know where I get it from? That's her. Yeah. That, okay. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> Don't tip the boat. The oh, boat is cool. I just see the smile on her face. That's all I see the smile. Yes, I, I, my mother is amazing. Yeah. She has all. She has been, God, like I'm super grateful for yeah. her, um, because she really has just been an anchor for me. Yeah. Um, from my childhood, and we've had like periods and mother daughter relationships oh, are very yeah. can be very complex, yeah. but she's just always shown up and reminded me of the things that God has created right. me to be like, she sees yeah. through that lens. And so that helped me mm -hmm. to continue to be a creator, even in times and seasons when it's been extremely difficult yeah. to do that or find my way through it. Um, but I, you know, I was a child actor and I've always loved storytelling. Yeah. I'll share that all the time. Like storytelling has been a sage for me. Yeah. It's been an outlet to <clears throat> heal and to overcome some things. So um, when I moved back to California from Ohio in 2009, I came here with one singular focus, and that was to be finally become a big A-list Hollywood actor. Hey. Been acting my whole I life. I've done tons of projects. I've even worked behind the camera, you know, writing, producing, yeah. directing. But my dream had always been I want to be like the Diane yeah. Carol's like I had you know my list of go-to's and I was like I want to do that I know I can do that I'm good at it yeah. and people would tell me and I came here and I hit the ground running and I met this six foot twelve dude no <laughs> I met this six dude right here four. Oh, I'm a twelve foot four I'm joking I know but you know we met um I think I responded to a casting call and, and nowcasting.com now uh, yeah. yeah oh wow yeah, yeah nowcasting.com nowcasting.com yeah. but before we go there I have a yeah. question I want to ask you and, uh -huh. and at my age I probably forget That's so cool. I'm I want to ask you now um so I kind of I rephrase this question to people now because uh it's about fear right mm -hmm. um, and the question is is that how do you how did you overcome the fear of lupus and how did you, how that, how that pushed you into wanting just, 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 just to become more? Because I know there's fear there, right? Because mm -hmm. anybody that tells me that there's no fear, they're, they're, they're lying or they're AI, you know? Yeah. You, you know, one or two, they're alien. You said they're AI. AI, AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only, only AI doesn't have fear, right? You're either lying or you're, or you're AI. <laughs> what right? are you? Are you chat GPT? Right. Um, so, but, 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 but fear is important because a lot of people don't recognize that it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to have fear. Fear is a part of being human. You can't experience any joy or pleasure without pain or fear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, walk me through that fearful period and then how did you come out of that and how that pushed you to become who you are? Wow. Um, really, I, I could vividly remember like my first day home from the hospital. I had been in ICU for a, uh, almost a month. Okay. 
And during that time, there were things that I had to learn how to do again, like very simple things. I I didn't deal with paralysis or anything, but um, being in ICU, being bedridden Mm -hmm. for nearly a month, going through very toxic treatments, I had to start chemotherapy inpatient um, because that's how bad the lupus had gotten where at that point I had already been living with lupus for 11 years Mm. and had never even heard of them using chemotherapy as a treatment. And so coming out of that, there was this fear of one, am I going to be okay? Mm. Um, Because before that episode that landed me in the emergency room, I was just with you and the entire yeah. cast for a table read yeah. for a project that you had cast me in and we were preparing for. So there wasn't any indicator for me yeah. that something like there was a perfect storm happening mm-hmm. in my body. The only sign that I had days later leading up to going um, being admitted to the emergency room was that I had a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. And I just figured like, Oh, I probably ate something bad or maybe I didn't eat enough, you know, dealing with hunger pains. I remember sitting through church and just having a, you know, a severe stomach pain, went home. My mom made some soup. I got in the bed. My husband was like, you good? I'm like, yep. And that was it. And then that Monday morning, I woke up vomiting blood. And so everything that felt normal suddenly became abnormal. And I found myself in this storm. So Coming out of that and being at home, I had gotten used to having the nurses and the doctors and the specialists and I was in isolation. So they kind of had me, you know, away from other patients and you had to have hazmat, you know, you know, attire to come in my room and all of that because they had like the infectious disease doctors. It was a lot of guessing. They didn't know at first. So I don't know that I feel like I had a great team of doctors not initially but by the by the end of it it was great but I don't know that I feel like they equipped me Mm. well enough to navigate life after so that it was that was just the beginning it was like the process the middle that I wasn't prepared for so simple things like just taking a shower Mm. I was super afraid of. Now, I'm not afraid of that now, but I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say I have moments where um, if I have a sharp pain, like a chest pain, and it's in the area of my heart, I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh, am yeah. I having a heart attack? Yeah. Because, wow. unfortunately, um, lupus puts you at a greater risk of yeah. heart disease and heart attacks. And then knowing that I have a known documented condition called pericarditis, which is inflammation around the heart, Mm. there's always that fear. Like, I don't get on roller coasters. There's Mm. certain things that I don't do, you know, even though, like, I know I need to work out. Sometimes I get scared because when I start working out and I feel that chest pain, it's like, okay, now I'm older now also. So I'm over 50. So it's all these things. So, yes, there are plenty of times where fear can rise and I just have to um, navigate through that and just remember that God's got me and do what I can. And if that means resting or speaking up, I don't have no problem going to the ER now. I hate it. I don't enjoy the process because what ends up happening is the minute that they read your medical record and see you have lupus, whatever it is that's going on with you, 
even if it's not related to the disease itself, it's, oh, it's lupus. Yeah. And then they just give you steroids and send you home. Well, side note, I would not be scaring you or hiding in a corner or Thank you. doing any pranks on you. I appreciate because, it. Because hey, I will swing. Want, like, <laughs> <laughs> I will swing. <laughs> well, that's just to protect your heart, right? Yeah. I'm like, well. That's not, the, yes, because I'm a swing. Because yeah. it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, you know, fear is, um, also, and, you know, I, I I would be doing a disservice if I didn't even mention this, but the other part of it is the things that you don't see or feel. Mm. So remember, I mentioned the blood disease, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called thrombocytopenia. Yeah. And essentially what that means is that you have a low platelet count. Yeah. So when I got sick in 2011, my platelets were at 8,000. And the normal healthy range is 400,000 to 500,000. Yeah. So at 8,000, I was already near death. I was already hemorrhaging, mm -hmm. had to have emergency surgery to stop, to identify and stop the internal bleed. But before that could yeah. happen, I had to have platelet plasma and blood transfusions yeah. because my platelets were too low. So I wouldn't have been able to withstand the surgery. Yeah. So there isn't necessarily a pain that you feel. Um, there, you know, it doesn't necessarily come with fatigue. There, yeah. There's not like a warning sign. Now that I do know, like I'll look for bruises. Like if I, I bruise easy, yeah. if I just bump up against something, sometimes I wake up and just have spontaneous yeah. bruising. And that's an indicator to me that, oh, my platelets might be a little mm. low, but I don't have a test at home. Like I have a heart monitor at home. Yeah. I have a blood pressure cup at home, but I don't have any device or mechanism at home that would immediately tell me yeah. your platelets are low and then low enough that you're entering the danger zone. That can only be discovered by a blood test and going yeah. to the doctor or emergency room. Man, it, it, it's something to say about someone who's a, who's a survivor and who has been through a lot of, a lot of, a lot of mess, right? A lot of stuff. And, People really don't see, you know, we don't wear the disease on our face because people mm -hmm. can't, you know, can't see. Um, and in that, it, it's something that I've never really talked about mm -hmm. myself, right? So mm -hmm. like like me, I mean, I look healthy, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, you know, so about two years ago, I was told I had, I had kidney disease, right? Really? Stage two, right? Yeah. Um, exactly, right? Wow. So... But we don't we don't wear that stuff because we know that that there's something some something greater, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know my mine was was caused by high blood pressure, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, about five years ago I, I, I had a surgery that I went through. But I was I was popping ibuprofen, right? And ibuprofen is bad for the kidneys, yep. right? I was popping like candy, yep. so that led to me having stage two kidney disease, right? Wow. Um, but these are things that that push us and motivate us and and have us have us have have us live with no excuses yeah. right and it's i would say it's a bit unfortunate that because we don't wear it on our face we're not taking seriously about what we're experiencing in our bodies yeah right but not knowing that that having 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 support there by by anybody by, by, by people will mm -hmm. help us heal and be better and and not experience you know the pain mm -hmm. the hurt the disappointment all that because 
once we once we once we're battling battling someone about how we feel, yeah, that causes stress in our body, yep. and which makes how we feeling a lot worse. Yep. Right. So. My thing, my thing is really just because someone doesn't wear their dis-ease on their face does not mean they're not experiencing or or it's not serious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we can't always see depression. We can't always see anxiety, but our body keeps the score. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> so it's in with the episode where we talked about having having people in your life will will, will make or break you. Right. You, yeah. have, you have to figure out who is that person that's going to be there for you. Yeah. Um, so it's important that 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 you, that you surround yourself with people that's going to help you heal, right? That's going to provide that living water because, of course, God can do it. Mm -hmm. But then you have people in your life that can help help God's plan. Absolutely for your life. Absolutely right? help you heal, uh, help you be whole. Um, because I believe I believe that we we are designed designed to heal. Mm -hmm. Right. God mm -hmm. gave us the ability to to heal every disease that we have. Mm -hmm. um, but it's up to us. Right. So it's, it's not just the food we eat, the people around us, also how we how we think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Environmental right. conditions also have right, an impact right, on. Right. Yeah. And I never I never wanted to say, you know, I had kidney disease because I because I'm like, you know what? I'm accepting it. I'm I'm, I'm calling it. I, I'm making it real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's real, but it's something that can. I was always told that it can be reversed, right? Mm -hmm. I started I started at stage three, but now I'm back at stage two, mm. right? But that's because I had to make some changes, yeah. Right? Um, but I'm I just mentioned that because you know we don't always wear it on our face, right? No, we don't. And you you said some very powerful, poignant things that I I really hope people are listening mm. to is that it is so vitally important um, when you, just for our overall yeah. health, whether you have been diagnosed with something or not, it's yeah. super important uh, to have people around you yeah. who are empathetic, they show compassion, they are committed to doing whatever yeah. they can do to help you navigate, because they come in seasons. Yeah. Like I, though I live with lupus every day, I don't have a flare up every yeah. day. Yeah. I might be experiencing symptoms as a result of the disease, but a flare up is like, you know, an elevated yeah. version of a lot of different symptoms. Right. Um, but I know there are times when I won't share yeah. what I'm feeling or going through because I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I don't want anybody to, um, you know, give me a pity party, yeah. but I also don't want to be judged. Right. I don't want what I'm feeling to be minimized by someone who does not understand right. or doesn't want to take the time to understand. Yeah. So, you know, some of the things that I deal with sometimes as well, you go and do whatever you show up here, you show up there just because I'm showing up, just because I'm working, just because right. I'm creating, just because I'm doing doesn't mean that it is in absence or void of dealing with lupus does it doing make you feel better sometimes mentally yes yeah, yeah. mentally and emotionally yeah, i feel like it's it, the yeah. one thing that i have control right. over in living with a disease that is super unpredictable wow unpredictable wow it is very unpredictable you can't 
you don't control lupus is an autoimmune disease which simply means that your body is fighting itself where Mm. your immune system a healthy immune system is designed to protect you from foreign antibodies and invaders that come into so if you develop you know get a virus if you're exposed to bacteria your immune system in a healthy person goes to war i always give this example of think about you know uh people who are in the military and they're on base they have a base that they're protecting they have personnel on that base Mm -hmm. that they're protecting they're on the front lines away from the base to protect everything and everyone that's on the base from the enemy that's trying to infiltrate right right Right. But in a person who has lupus, those soldiers actually turn Mm. on the very thing that they're supposed to protect. So then you got the foreign antibody coming in, but then you also got your immune system that's turning on you. So now you're completely susceptible and at risk for, you know, a myriad of different things. Um, And so for me, being able to do things even when I don't feel good gives me a sense of peace. Right. And and that might sound crazy, but it's like, yes, I'm hurting. No, I don't feel a hundred percent driving to LA just feels like such a task a lot of times, but I give myself something to look forward to. And it almost feels like, probably sounds crazy to hear i'm rewarding myself for surviving the day or the week or you made it through this you pushed through that give yourself something that you you give yourself the opportunity to enjoy something that you like to do or be around others whose spirit and their joy is infectious and it's just going to help to raise your energy and make you feel good because there's lupus is always going to be there Well, a lot of people have dreams, goals, and visions, and but they they manufacture stuff to keep them from not moving forward. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm tired because I worked all day. Where I don't feel like I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. Um, but if 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 someone like you can push push through some a diagnosed disease versus how you feel, then for other people there's no freaking excuse. Right? I don't want to do that though. No, 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 uh, no. What I'm saying is that is, is is that I'm saying that the excuses that people use mm-hmm. are I'm going to use the right word here. They're they're BS, right? Because if if you if you have this dream of writing a screenplay, doing a movie, starting a business, graduating from college, whatever it is, mm-hmm. all right? If you have this goal, this dream, and you let, I'm tired, I don't feel like it, I wanna watch this Netflix series or whatever, get in the way of that, then how serious is your dream, right? I think for some people, that's an uh, there's an underlying root. That's just what the, root? that's just the symptom of something. So for me, I haven't always been this way with this journey of lupus. Like I had to develop strategies and mechanisms. We all do. And and I had to just make decisions. Right. right? But on any given day, the fear is still there. Right. Um, And I had to. Despite the fear though. I I act despite the fear, but I had to learn how to do that. Right. So the way that the fear shows up is I'm tired. I don't feel good. That's there's something underlying under there that sometimes people 
it's not just about them being lazy. It's not just about them being um, more committed to their comfort than their dreams. Now, I'm not saying this is not for everyone, but there are some people who literally are grappling with fear and there's an underlying root to that, but Mm -hmm. they themselves either haven't identified it or they know it and they're afraid to face it or they don't have the tools or the resources or the community that will help them to face it. Again, like I was raised in the church. On a bigger scale, right? I'm talking about on a smaller scale, right? So even, even in, in, and I'm going to get on a little soapbox here, all right? No, go ahead, go ahead. So even the person who complains about, you know, I have I have body aches or you know I can't touch my toes or mm-hmm. or you know I would like to look like that person but get your ass up and go to the gym. Why not? Because you want to sleep. So 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 you're saying that that you be your sleep is much more important than your health, right? Um you're you wanted to um enjoy that, you know, that 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 movie or that that whatever is much more important than your success or what's important than than you getting to your child's baseball game or football game right mm-hmm. is it's just the little things that that people use to to avoid to avoid changing something big in their life right but that's what i'm saying there has to be an underlying root we don't know you know what i'm saying cuz i don't know anyone i don't think i've ever met anyone who just dreams of having a mediocre average life right right so let's say that person does have these desires to Mm -hmm. do these things but what for whatever reason it's easier for them to choose comfort comfort right right it's a decision but what is what's the why there's always a why why. right to what it is so i think i just take a different approach like i don't accept mediocrity but i by the same token, I just give grace. What I will do is challenge people. Yeah. I'll challenge them on their habits yeah. because I want people to do that for me. There yeah. are times when I just, it's overwhelming. Like right now I have my hands in a lot of pots. Yeah. A lot of hot pots. <laughs> a lot of hot pots. Of hot pots. Um, but then there are days when it's like, you know what? I'm not doing a dang thing, nothing. And I have, but, and then I've had to navigate through feeling guilty. So as a 51 year old woman, I'm not subscribing to hustle culture. I've been doing that my whole adult life. All right, I'm gonna pause you real quick. Because last episode you you said you're 52. Did I? (laughs) You did. What I what I meant to say was I'll be fifty two this year. Perfect. Okay. So okay. Not, I was so confused. correction for okay. if you watched the last episode and you heard me say you that I was fifty two. Yeah. Go back and watch Why? the last episode or any episode where I'm talking about my age. If you ever hear me say fifty two, the intention was is that yeah, I will be when they watch it. You'll be fifty two. No, I won't be fifty two till later this year, October. Well, this thing lives forever, so. So don't put a time on it. Don't put a time on it. Listen, I'm in my 50s. That's what you need to know. Okay. (laughs) Um, You made me lose my train of thought. Um, Don't know. But I'll ask my my next question. Yeah. So entrepreneurship um, Mm -hmm. and being a creative and being being all things creativity 
and just just watching how how people have like migrated and your energy has brought people into to your vibration mm -hmm. right um how has it been navigating entrepreneurship with having lupus and being a creative and how have other people responded to you once they know that you you have this this um you're surviving lupus <clears throat> it's been frustrating okay uh there i'm not <laughs> what i've had to learn how to not do is compare myself mm. to someone else my journey my business my offers um, because what I was doing was I would look at somebody else's picture as kind of the gauge for how I should be performing mm. as an entrepreneur, as a creator, especially with, as someone who's really skilled mm -hmm. in a lot of different areas and has accomplished a lot, but still feeling like my personal results weren't matching. Yeah, Like yeah. it was like a complete disconnect. And... Um, the reality was, is like, I don't have <clears throat> the leisure of being on a plane every day, going to this place and that place to, mm -hmm. you know, speak on stages or just that I don't have the luxury of even heck as a wife and a mom, I don't have the luxury of hustling 24 yeah. seven. I, I don't have it. You know, some of the things that people say, go hard, go home, <laughs> you know, go hard or go home. <laughs> Listen here, with your militant behind, I'm talking to you, the go hard or go home people. My hard is more than enough. All right. And I had to give myself permission to say it's more than enough. And I don't know what God has for me, but what I'm going to do is always show up a thousand percent. I'm going to honor what he's given me. I'm going to honor the call. Yeah. I'm going to use my gifts um, because they're bigger than me. Yeah. But it just has been, man, so frustrating sometimes because there's a lot of times I feel like I'm so far behind. Yeah. yeah. And um, there are periods when I can't work. Yeah. And the work that I do, the type of work that I do, is not something that I can necessarily right. always <laughs> hand off to someone else to do it. You know, I have a personal brand and part of my personal brand is that people like know, like and trust me. Yeah. So they hire me to produce their content. They yeah. hire me. And in those instances, that's not work that I can pass off to someone else, yeah. no matter how skilled they are, especially if a person is hiring you to to execute on that skill because of who you are. Yeah. So there are times when things don't get done or I have to pause. And then when I pause, I feel like I'm starting back from square one again. And yeah. it can be <clears throat> super frustrating. Yeah. And, and I also realize that a lot of times people, people steal from you. They steal, they steal, oh, you've seen that? They yeah. steal from you emotionally. They yep. steal from you physically. Yep. You know, they just, they, they just steal. They from try you, to steal right? your IP. Yeah. All that. Everything. Um, What's up? <laughs> <laughs> they steal your bag. <laughs> That's why I said that. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Our boy Jonathan and John Balima up in here. The second time this week I've popped in y'all recording. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so, what do you want people to know about you and about lupus? Lupus doesn't define me. Uh. I'm still K.L. Jones. And despite um, the physical impact of lupus i'm still a human being yeah. i'm still a woman who has purpose i'm still a woman who has a voice i'm still a woman who loves to create and yeah. tell stories and i'm passionate about it 
I'm great at it. I enjoy helping other people uncover yeah. their it factor and their mm -hmm. secret sauce to be able to tell their stories and make an impact and create movements and do right. all of these things. So even though I've shared a, a very intimate part of my life and my health, um, and it's something that I've done for years, but I started pulling away from yeah. it because I be I started being referred to as the lupus lady, <laughs> right? Like I was the 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 lupus advocate. I would survey my audience on wow. social media and be like, "When you think of me, what do you think about what? Are, you know, if you lupus. if you had to see me doing one thing, what would that thing be?" And it always went back to lupus. So then I was you angry. Don't, you don't like that? No. Okay. Lupus doesn't define yeah. me. Yeah. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of, it's not even a part of who I am. It's a part of my life. For your story. It's a part of my yeah. story. And even though it has played a really big role, I would say the greatest gift that Lupus gave me is that I'm here today doing the work yeah. that I do. Yeah. Because if that moment hadn't happened back in March of 2011, I yeah. don't know what my life would have been so it was the gift that changed the trajectory of my yeah. life that still allows me to tell stories if i wanted to go and act today i could yeah. um but i feel like i have an even deeper and greater yeah. purpose in the work that i do and that's so fulfilling to me yeah. well thank you for um lending your talents and lending your story and lending your energy to the podcast, not just the episode, but the whole podcast, right? And uh, I believe that it's been it's been elevated since you've <laughs> been around. But that's part of your brand, you know, mm -hmm. you elevate. Um, and I know this is um, Lupus Awareness Month, but this is your life every day of the month, Absolutely. right? Um, and it's, it's honor to have to have you here, and also honor to be a part of that journey, Thank right? You. Um, and would it would have been your month in your life? I'm gonna give you the last words and close us out. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. This was, we, you know, we wanted to do something different. Yeah. Um, usually it's both of us. We have a topic and we talk about it and we have our banter yeah. and go back and forth. But it was super important to have this interview style show yeah. because sometimes I can just, you know, yeah. put information out. But it was also interesting to be able to hear your perspective, yeah. just even personally yeah. how you've been impacted by maybe some of the decisions that I've had to yeah. make as a result of lupus without me communicating that to you right. and you feeling so that creates a, a deeper level of awareness for me so i really appreciate that i absolutely love what i do here yeah. with you and being on this podcast it has been a gift um in more ways than one and it came at a time when i wasn't expecting yeah. it but absolutely needed it and i'm grateful for you all we both are for all of you that join us week after week and you tune in, for those who are asking questions, um, who are engaging with us, who are supporting, who are sharing our clips, sharing our episodes, it all makes it worth it. So every day that I'm showing up when I don't feel 100% or feel like myself, those are the things that make the journey so much more um valuable and it, it makes me appreciate it even more i want to encourage you to learn more about lupus if you have someone in your life who is experiencing symptoms and they haven't gotten any answers be patient with them be the support that they need because i can tell you firsthand it is a scary journey to know that something is wrong with you but not know and feel like you're not being heard or seen or given the space to um, be supported as you 
explore what's going on with you. There are a ton of different nonprofit organizations such as Lupus LA. I've worked with them personally for years. Um, the Lupus Foundation of America and uh, the LRA, which is the Lupus Research Alliance, all are nonprofit organizations that are doing incredible work to help to support the lupus community and beyond. Check with your local chapters to see how you can get involved. Go volunteer at your kid's school because remember I said the onset of lupus can start as early as 14 years old. And so there needs to be more support even in the school systems to support children who are experiencing fatigue. Everybody that says they're tired is not lazy, right? So there's things that are going on and there are a lot of different symptoms, but those organizations you can check out their websites to learn more about lupus the symptoms what to look for how to support yourself how to support your loved ones or you know people in your community Um, this episode is brought to you by elevated beauty which is powered by Obly, my partner company and a portion of the proceeds from every sale this month in the month of may for lupus awareness month will be donated to those organizations to help continue the fight to raise awareness, education, and get more funding because we desperately need it for this community. Thank you so much for watching. This is the Born to Create podcast. I'm your girl, K.L. Jones, co-host with my brother, Anthony Rudolph. We were born to create, so do not put us in a box and don't you dare allow anybody else to put you in one because you too were born to create. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.